Welcome to the Wild Woman's Guide to Motherhood, a space for open-minded and open-hearted discussions about birth and mothering. I'm your host, Mimi Tui. Hello, my dear podcast listeners, and welcome to episode five of the Wild Woman's Guide to Motherhood. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for being here and for listening. Honestly, when I see um, that my podcast is being listened to, it just makes my whole day brighter. Um, So I so appreciate it. If you are liking what you're hearing, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe. Um, And if you could leave a rating and a review, that would be amazing. And um, I would love that. And you can do that wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, this episode is an amazing episode where the lovely Sarah Cooper has come on to share the birth story of her son, Bodhi, which was an unintended but intentional free birth where she didn't plan it, but during labor, she decided and just knew intuitively that she didn't want to go to hospital. And so she just stayed home with her partner and her doula who happens to be my best friend Laura um I'm not going to take up too much time before we get in because um it's a really long episode it's about an hour and a half long so um I hope that you make it through the whole thing because it's so worth it so many beautiful details um and I just love how she trusted and connected with her intuition it's a really amazing and kind of like low pressure, um, beautiful story about just how birth can be so normal and it doesn't have to be something that um, needs to feel like an emergency and you can just stay where you're comfortable if you feel like everything is fine. I did want to say that Sarah's internet was a little bit in and out and you'll notice that at times her voice drops out but um I've tried to edit most of those sections out. There are still a few that were just in really key areas um, of the story where you might notice it, but it doesn't take away from the overall content. And so um, I just wanted to apologize about that, but there's not really much that we could do about it. Other than that, dive in and enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Mimi. It's so finally getting to talk to you about this story (laughs) yeah I'm so I'm so excited to hear all of it obviously um because your doula is my best friend I've heard like little tiny snippets but she's always been adamant like no it's Sarah's story to tell (laughs) um yeah so it's like such a treat to have you here on the podcast and hear it firsthand and be able to share it as well and thank you so much for having me I've been meaning since uh, Bodhi was born but as you know with the newborn bubble and everything that's included in that I just haven't found the space to do that so it's nice for me to get it out before it escapes me a little yes I did the exact same thing with my birth story I ended up telling it on a podcast a few weeks after Lua was born and um, yeah in those early days you just never have your hands free and it was I just hadn't had a chance to write it down and now I'm so glad to have that recording of it like so close to when it happened because there's things I say in there that I definitely like would not have remembered (laughs) I yeah I feel like I've definitely had to go back with my partner and even Laura and just say like hey did it happen like this because you know it's been um he's 13 weeks today so it's been 
you know, 13 weeks in between and I feel the further away that you get from it, the the fuzzier it kind of gets. Yeah, well, and especially when you're the the birthing person, your perception of it is so altered. 100%, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, So before we get started, do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners and um, yeah, give us a little background of kind of why you're here as well. Yeah, cool. Um, My name is Sarah Cooper and I am or well, I was previously a yoga teacher. At the moment, obviously, I'm having a little bit of time off. I live in Talabhadra on the Gold Coast. And I guess, yeah, I'm here to tell my story of how um, how I birthed my son, Bodhi. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. You mentioned to me that you would really like to start with kind of way before even yeah. conception. And yep. that's amazing. I'd love to start wherever you would like to in your journey. Yeah, um, so I just want to um, talk a little bit of background about my um, my cycle and my hormones because I feel like that has a really important part to play into how I got to where I am now with my body. Um, basically, at the age of 17, I went off the pill and I lost my period for three years. Um, and that was a really hard time for me because it was really stressful as you could imagine. Um, I went to specialist after specialist. One specialist even said to me, cause I was looking, I was getting tested for PCOS and it always came back as inconclusive, even though I had these pains in my ovaries, I ended up in hospital with a suspected cyst that had burst. And one male specialist that I waited for six months to see told me that he thinks it could just be IBS. Mm. That the pains that I was experiencing, which I knew deep down were from my ovaries, um, could be like just bowel symptoms. Um, So way back then, I believe that was my testing ground for um, my intuition and really learning how to listen to my intuition and listen to what my body is telling me and to seek out, um, I guess, alternative forms of healing. So I went down this path of it was over 10 years that I spent really looking for the answers to heal myself. Um, Western medicine really just wanted to put me on the pill. That was the only fix that they ever had for me. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until I found acupuncture at 27. I had an incredible session with somebody back home in Darwin and virtually after that one session I had one of the best cycles I'd had in, um, in my life because I'd never really had great cycles. Um, so, yeah, acupuncture played a really big part in, in starting to heal my um, – my hormones and starting to connect me to my cycle. Um, and over those next few years, I still would have moments where my cycle would blow out to say 40 days. But I knew as soon as I just went back to acupuncture and slowed down and checked, I was able to heal myself and get myself back to, you know, the ideal for my body. Yeah. So, yeah, like I felt like I really wanted to tell that because 
that really um, shaped the relationship that I now have with my cycle and and with my body and it and it has been a really important part of um, I guess my practice for the past when did I I would have done that acupuncture session when I was 26 so yeah a, a while now um, it's mm-hmm. been a, a big part of my practice is is checking in with my cycle and using my cycle as a, a guide for where I am personally. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And it's something that I'm really passionate about as well. And that um, so few women or girls are exposed to like thinking about their cycle in that way. And it's often just an afterthought. Um, yeah. Building that like really intuitive, like connected relationship with your psycho I think is so I mean it's a huge gift like it's a way to check in with your body and to and yourself emotionally and to release and to like there's so much power in it but then also having that relationship before getting pregnant I found for me as well was like a huge just a huge part in in kind of having that connection before birth that then you already, I feel like it it translates in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, I'm really happy to see how times are changing for women and how much more education is out there now about cycles and about um, learning how to heal your relationship to your feminine cycle. Because prior to this time um, in my life where the where my cycle has become a big part of my practice um, I used to be really angry at it because Mm. it would it was debilitating Um, I used to work in marketing and communications and I was living a very fast-paced stressed out life drinking a lot of alcohol to manage that um, and yet as a result, my period was ferocious when it would come every month. I sometimes would be bedridden three days. And I remember specifically one day in my marketing role, I went to lie down in the sick bay and I had to get my boss to drive me home because I was in so much pain. I felt like I was going to pass out on my way home. So yeah, previously I was so mad at it for existing. I was so female, which to me now just blows my mind because I'm just so grateful for this experience and so um, in awe of my body for doing what it does. So it's just yeah. been a huge transition for me from that to now. Well, and that was your body screaming at you yeah. that what you're doing wasn't working <laughs> and you Please were just stop. <laughs> not wanting to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So that leads me into then um, getting pregnant. Um, we had been trying but not trying um, for about 18 months, I would say. So 18 months prior, we fell pregnant somewhat accidentally but we were also not being careful so again trying but not trying mm-hmm. I guess just testing the waters because um I'm in my early 30s and my partner's in his late 30s and you know it's that time that you kind of start to think like 
Is the body still doing what it's doing properly? Um, and so we fell pregnant in 2019. I know my mum fell pregnant with me and didn't know for the first 13 weeks of her pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. And she was doing all the things and um, she had an IUD in as well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, wild. So, like, I just felt she was able to carry her pregnancy through um along with getting the IUD taken out at, I think, 14 weeks, well, surely, like, I won't have any issues. Um, But sadly, we uh, lost the baby at seven weeks, um, Mm. which was hard. But at the same time, I felt I'm a big believer in timing. And um, I felt like it probably wasn't the right time, but it was time for me to start to really look into preparing for you know, having a baby one day. Um, during that time, I did a lot of self-work. Um, we then consequently went into COVID lockdown. So that gave me a big opportunity to dive deep into the things from my childhood that I hadn't really reconciled with. And mm-hmm. um, I did some EMDR therapy, which is basically a form of hypnotherapy. Um, and it was releasing a lot of deep-seated emotions and beliefs and uh, it was a really intense time, that, that COVID lockdown period. Mm. And it just showed me during that time also how incredibly supportive my partner is um, and how he was able to hold space for all my meltdowns, <laughs> <laughs> all my many meltdowns, um, and just love me unconditionally. So I think that period of time gave us a really good chance to connect with each other on a really raw level before becoming parents which I you know I think if you've been together with your partner for a long period of time you may get the opportunity to do but for me I think because I'd been pregnant and because um, I knew we were entering into parenthood it gave me an insight into how he might be when I have a baby and when my emotions aren't always perky and perfect, perfect. Mm. So it made me feel, you know, that I could trust him to hold space for me in that way. Um, Beautiful, beautiful journey in preparation. And um, yeah, that's so nice to have that awareness around that. And the internal work as well is just amazing. I think that that kind of work is so key to parenthood. Absolutely, because really? it like takes diving two. into your yeah yeah yeah. Well, diving into your own stuff as well. I mean, I'm still not. Uh, I, I think when are we ever a hundred percent? Yeah, healed or perfect? <laughs> Unless it's we're enlightened, you know. Yeah, it's always a journey. But I just, I really feel that that prep for me has made me such a. It's it's made all the difference to me as a mum now. Um, but so during that period, I, um, I going through all those heavy emotions, I started to, um, my, a little bit funny again, and it started to go out to 40 days. Um, I had three cycles in a row that were 40 days and I started to think like, what's wrong with me? Why is this happening? And then I remembered I hadn't been to acupuncture in a very long time (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I booked myself an acupuncturist appointment 
and uh, it was on day 21 of my cycle that I booked that appointment uh, with new, at Newer Health with my good friend Kerry. And after the appointment, we conceived. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so after that next cycle, so that was day 21 of my cycle, I had one more um, period and then after that we conceived. So um, after conception, it was really funny actually. It must have been only two days after conception I started to feel a difference in my body. Like I could start to feel my breasts were tender. Um, something was a bit different. And yeah. I took a pregnancy test <laughs> at day 28 mm -hmm. and it was negative. And I went, okay, move on. We're not pregnant. We're just early PMS symptoms and I have to go back to carry because my hormones must be really out of control. Um, and then a week later when I was, I think I was 34 days or something, um, my girlfriend said to me, are you sure that you're not pregnant? Like maybe you should take another test. And I was like, no, I'm definitely not pregnant. I took a test. It said it was negative. She said, do you still have that test? Um, because I um I took a test early and then I went back eight hours later and, and there was a line that was showing. She ended up being pregnant at the same time as me. Um, mm. So I was on the phone to her and rumbling, um, rummaging through my um, sanitary bin and I found the test and I looked at it and sure enough there was a line that oh, said wow. we were pregnant. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it was a pretty funny experience for us both. I said, I, I, don't, I don't think this is right. How can this be right? <laughs> so, yeah, I went down to the shop straight away and got another test and ended up um, doing a test uh, not long after and finding out, yep, we were definitely pregnant. Oh, that's so, so interesting. <laughs> I've heard with pregnancy tests like that that, like, you're not, that results after you're not supposed to look at it or something because results can be inaccurate. But I, I've never... I've never heard of it showing up later like that and being accurate like yeah. the later. I mean, I guess it makes a bit of sense if the if those um, hormone levels of the it's the HCG that makes that line show up if they're really really low that like it might take longer for the the kind of whatever causes that line to show up to be activated. Absolutely. I mean, I do believe that if it shows that you're pregnant, you should really go out and get another test because it's likely that you are because how can it detect HCG if it's not there? Yeah. Like yeah. you can't have a false positive, but you can have a false negative. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes now, sense. Now on, <laughs> on that note, my little one has just woken up. Yeah, I so, can hear him a bit. <laughs> oh, darling. My um, partner is trying to bottle feed, but I don't think he's he's having it. So I'm just going to get him and um, I'll get him breastfeeding and then we'll continue. With yeah, the that's okay. All right. So um, where was I? <laughs> uh, oh, just talking about um, me finding out that I was pregnant. So. Yeah. Finding out that I was pregnant was really exciting, but also because um, we had that mis miscarriage last time, I felt like I needed to be um, more onto things this time, like uh, taking care of myself, I guess, a lot more slowing down 
previously I had been doing a yoga teacher training at the same time that I was in my early pregnancy Um, and I was not pulling back from my practice. I also did two photo shoots in the same week that I was week six pregnant. (laughs) So I I guess this time I just really honored my body. I slowed down a lot. I didn't do any of the postures that um, could have an effect on my pregnancy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started to do acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I just really took care of myself during that period of time because I was a little bit more sensitive and I just felt like I really owed it baby to give us the best opportunity. And that meant slowing down, listening to myself if I needed to rest and taking my prenatal um, supplements. Um, Let's get into how, how you prepared for your birth then like what kind of preparation did you do through your pregnancy and how were your um you know the rest of your pregnancy yeah so um from the time that we found out everything was okay um well actually sorry I, I through during the first trimester I did the acupuncture and I also started listening to Australian birth stories um mm-hmm. which is a podcast all about birth stories um And I continued to do that throughout my pregnancy. I think in the end I racked up probably 150 different stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It was really important to me that I not become closed-minded about how birth could happen. I really wanted to educate myself on a number of different scenarios because I felt that it might be a little bit dangerous to have just one vision of how my birth was going to pan out. Um, because if it didn't happen that way, then I could possibly feel traumatized. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I was devouring birth stories and, and learning about how, um, other women have birthed. Um, so in that I decided to hire a doula, which is your best friend, Laura, and my really good, good friend, Laura from birthing from the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sat down with us and basically gave us a few of her book recommendations to start looking into. So Ina Mae Gaskin's Spiritual Midwifery was one of them, which again has heaps of birth stories in it. So mm-hmm. um, not only was I listening to Australian birth stories, but also reading all of the beautiful stories in there. They're, um, they're basically stories of women who are, birthing in like a birth center type scenario so not in hospital so Mm. I guess those stories were really aligning with how I felt I was capable of birth and how I feel so many women are capable of birthing um and 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 she also gave us a book the first 40 days so I was preparing listening to other people's stories and then I was preparing for afterbirth as well I think that's something that I couldn't recommend highly enough is to make sure that you know what you're doing post-birth. Mm-hmm. What, what's have your a plan. Have a plan. Um, you know, where are you going to get your meals from? 
who's going to take care of you when you're taking care of the baby? How mm-hmm. long is your partner having off if he's not able to have that much time off? Do you have family or friends around? Because that made all mm-hmm. the difference for me postpartum. Yeah. So, Can you hire a postpartum doula? Can yeah. you have a cleaner? Like there's so many yeah. ways to do it, but having that support, you yeah. want to have a plan for it and not be scrambling and trying to meet those needs in the moment when Ab- you're feeling absolutely you know, overwhelmed I- and I think I'd read, I think I'd read so much about birth um, that I was terrified that I would get post birth and not have been prepared enough. So um, it was really nice to be given that book to read. Birth is a moment in time, but post birth is, is really crucial to look to as well. Yeah. So, yeah. We also did a hypnobirthing course with Shari from Belly to Birth. Mm-hmm. Um, Shari is actually an old friend of my partner, Beds. Um, yep. And, yeah, she just – I really appreciated the way that she put together the course. For me, I'm already um, – I'm already spiritual. I already meditate. Um, I already have my breathing practices so I kind of felt like I needed something that had a bit of both, that had the practices that I was looking for in terms of how to breathe um, to calm your nervous system during birth, but also just informing me on what is actually happening in mm-hmm. birth, in labour. And um, I really, what I took away from that mostly was the, the process of labour, of the contractions, of how the cervix effaces and dilates of how you can get your pelvis into an ideal position to move the baby down um, of what the ideal position for your baby is to be in to come out Mm -hmm. this is going to sound woo woo but we'll go there anyway but I (laughs) I love woo woo (laughs) I'm all about the woo as well but um I just, you know, I would constantly say to Bodhi when he was in my belly, like, okay, honey, so when you're ready to come out, your butt has to be on the left-hand side, you know, head down, butt on the left, tuck your chin in and cross yeah. your arms. <laughs> nice. And I would constantly say that to him throughout pregnancy. His butt was always on my right too. His head was down for, um, I forget, I think he turned quite early on um mm-hmm. but yeah his butt was always to the right because I had an anterior placenta on my left so I was like oh you know it could be a longer labor if his butt's on the right but hopefully he'll hear me and get on the left um mm. yeah so it's always worth trying the woo-woo <laughs> and then the last thing that we did um or the last thing that rather I did in the last few weeks was get acupuncture again um Kerry was uh, at that stage working only every fortnight at, um, at Newer and I was really wanting to get it every week. So I ended up going to my girlfriend down at Being GC in, in Coolangatta and her name's Rihanna and she treated me from 36 weeks to just days actually before I gave birth. So um, it was really important to me that I get my body energetically aligned so that when Bodhi was ready to come, my body was ready to bring him here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's my belief behind acupuncture. I, I think if you have the right, well, I know if you have the right practitioner and they're practicing cautiously on you, I don't think that you're going to go into labor the moment they put a needle in. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? more just about like preparing so when things are ready, it it's kind of can happen easily. I kind of think of it as like a, almost like a speed bump that your body yeah. has to go over to start labor and acupuncture kind of like smooths it out a little bit. Like it's not Ab- going to push the car forward. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So because m- I think the only fear, I had two fears going into birth um, that I recognized and I was really trying to work through. One of them was I, I was terrified of birthing in hospital. <laughs> Mm. Um, because I had seen how, um, women could be treated. And I say could be, because I do believe there are a lot of beautiful people still in hospitals assisting women to birth, but Mm -hmm. I, I had seen and heard a lot of, um, stories of women being treated poorly and then consequently, medical interventions and a cascade of interventions having to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one was it was a medical intervention and that was to be induced. So Mm -hmm. I I did everything in my power to just prepare my body for when he was ready to come, my body was, was ready to birth him. So that included getting acupuncture, going for my daily walks, just being in a really calm environment and place with myself, not feeling like I needed to push or force anything. Um, I drank raspberry, raspberry leaf tea, but I didn't do it in a way that was like, baby's got to come. Like I just really um, honored those final moments with myself before he was born. And everything that I did in those final weeks was not to force him to come. It was to connect with myself on a really beautiful level, nourish myself and prepare myself for this next n- next journey, next phase. Mm, that's a really beautiful way of approaching it. Because mm. I think too many times we can see these methods as forms of getting the baby to come. If you're maybe over your pregnancy, you're like, I'm going to drink all the raspberry leaf tea. I'm going to do all this, um, the curbside walking. I'm going to you know, do, 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 but you're not actually embodying the calm that those practices are meant to promote. And so that's where it can kind of not really work the way that you want it to. Yeah, the energy and the intention that is behind all of those actions is so key, so important. Yeah. So that was really important to me not to rush those final moments because I knew it was the last time that I would be with myself in that way for a very long time. So, yeah, those practices were really beautiful to me and and acupuncture was a big part of that, like just going in every week and having like an hour to an hour and a half session where I just, you know, was able to go into a state of meditation and feel really taken care of. Cool. So, um, yeah, if you just want to kind of take me to the the start of your labor and how yeah. you how that went and just take me through the story yeah yeah um I had acupuncture on my due date 
Um, I also went to see my GP and my GP confirmed that his head was engaged. Um, and yeah, so from that point on, I guess I thought it's on, like we can, we can do all the, all the things that they say help to bring on labor. So I went home and started cleaning ferociously because I had that urge. Yeah. And, um, the funny thing was actually that at about 8 PM at night, I was in the shower scrubbing the grout. (laughs) Yeah. Ferociously. And, And I say it's funny because as you'll find out, I didn't make it to hospital and that's where Bodhi was born in the end. So I had a very sterile shower. Oh, you knew. Some it's like I knew. knew. I was just preparing my uh, labor space. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the Thursday night he was due. It was actually a full moon as well. And um was really feeling like he might come that night. Um, I started doing some silly dance moves. <laughs> um going down to the floor and coming back up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, basically shaking my booty and moving my pelvis around and really started to feel his head in my pelvis at that point. Mm. Um, and I do believe that started labour, that dancing, um, because after that we had dinner and went to bed and I started to feel some period-type cramps. Mm-hmm. So so that was the Thursday night. The Friday I woke up and that was the first day that I didn't have those nesting urges to like wash the washing or or prepare the house. Like I just knew I needed to be in bed that day. So I I drew the blinds, I put Clary Sage on in my diffuser. I brought my computer into my bedroom and I just watched some like nostalgic movies so I basically was just getting the oxytocin going Mm -hmm. for myself got really cozy and felt safe and had a little cry had a little laugh um and I could feel those period cramps just consistently throughout the day um my landlord's really beautiful she offered me to have a bath up at their place because we don't have a bath that evening when they went out for a dinner she set up the bath with like candles and a and a little chockey and um you know dim lighting on and epsom salts and I bought up my um my oils so I put clary sage and lavender in the bath and I had a really beautiful bath that evening and I kind of I was feeling like you know labor could start after this bath or it could happen tomorrow Mm-hmm. Um, but I just really felt like I needed to honor that that might be my last moment to myself in that way. So mm-hmm. I had a nice meditation in the bath and came back down, had a nice dinner, nothing happened, woke up the next morning, still had light period cramps. And I just said to Ben, like, let's go down for breakfast down the road. Like it might be our last breakfast out, just us two for a very long time. So, you know, let's enjoy this this morning and this opportunity together. Mm -hmm. So we went down to breakfast and the period cramps continued and I didn't feel like I could have a huge breakfast. At that point I was starting to feel a little bit nauseous. So I just had um, this this porridge. Um, And after breakfast 
Ben had to return some sneakers, which was just like five minutes down the road. And I was going to come in to look at sneakers. But by the time we got to that place, I started to feel pretty nauseous. Mm-hmm. And I just said, oh, I'm just going to wait in the car. You go in. And, this, and so he went in quickly and come back out. And by the time he came back out, I, I said to him, we're going to get home. I feel really sick. Like maybe the porridge didn't agree with me. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And home wasn't that far. It was only like eight minutes away. And increasingly on that car ride home, I felt the first trimester type nausea, like where, you know, I wasn't dry reaching, but I was really nauseous. Um, And so anyway, we got home and I got into bed and the nausea subsided, but the cramping was still consistent. So I just said to Ben, like, let's watch. We we ended up putting on Working Mums. Have you watched that mm-hmm. on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. So we ended up putting that on. I had the Clary Sage diffusing and I could just feel the, the period style cramps there. It was almost just like I was on the first day of my period. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were watching Working Mums. We got about three episodes in and I was laughing um, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that that really helped the oxytocin. <laughs> yeah release into my system and I started to feel things picking up and I went oh the whole time that my partner's going like what does that mean like he's on edge and I'm like oh no no it's okay like this could go on for a week like don't stress like I might be having the baby today or maybe next week because I didn't want to ever like (laughs) be like oh it's happening now until I really felt like it was happening Mm -hmm. um so three episodes in I was like oh He's like, are you okay? I'm like, yep, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to get the exercise ball and do some like little circles on the ball, sit on it and do some circles with my pelvis and, and get the baby's head, you know, moving around down there. And um, so I did that, did some bouncing and um, then got on my mat and did some um, light stretches. And as I got into a lunge position, I went, oh, no, okay, come back. That that feels like it's getting a little bit more intense. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's just they're, they're getting a little bit um, stronger. And I sat back down on the bed. And as I sat on the bed, I said to Ben, can you feel that on the left side? Do you think that's his butt? <laughs> <laughs> and he pressed, he, he pressed it, which it, it was his butt. He pressed it. And I'm not kidding. I went, <gasps> I think you just did something. I think something just released. <laughs> Did that freak him out? I feel like that yeah. could really freak a partner out. Yeah, he was just like, what do you mean? And so I went to the bathroom and sure enough, my mucus plug had released. Oh, he's got the magic touch. Yeah. <laughs> he pressed the button. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the funny thing was my the joke with my mum was because my mum's in South Australia and she always planned to come up for a month but um always just like when he was born so she was never going to be there for the labor because I didn't want her to waste her time off waiting for the baby to come I just felt she was always going to be more helpful after yeah so the joke was that she was going to book her ticket when the plug was released yeah (laughs) Um, because she went into labour 
her plug released and she went into labor virtually right after that. Yeah. Um, which then I found out your mucus plug can be released, but you can still not have a baby for a week. Yeah. Later. And it can regrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, I came back into the bedroom and I said, so I think you just released my mucus plug. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going, what do you mean? Like, as in like ready to get in the car and drive to the hospital? And I said, no, 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 it's fine. Like, could be today, could be next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, these are getting a little bit stronger, these sensations. Let's go into the spare room and I'll just show you my hospital bag, which I'd been planning my hospital bag for, you know, eight weeks Yeah. and trying to make it perfect as women do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me it was in – in a way, it was my way of convincing myself to go to the hospital. Yeah. Because I knew, um, I was saying this to you before we started the podcast, in my heart of hearts, I was so confident with my body's ability to birth that I didn't want to be interfered with in a hospital setting, but mm-hmm. I was trying to do the right thing. I yeah. have a little bit of a good girl complex where... I just want to do right. Um, yeah. And me going to hospital was doing the right thing by everybody. So I prepared this hospital bag. I'd gone out and bought two brand new beautiful pairs of pyjamas that I could wear <laughs> in hospital. And, yeah, we went into the spare room and I said to Ben, like, oh, we need to, you need to get this into the hospital bag and this and this and and then I had an I had what I feel was my first real contraction. Yeah. Um, because I had to stop and think about it. I have a and question. Had you talked, had you mentioned to Ben or had you had conversations about your kind of misgivings about hospital or, or like oh, was he on that yeah. page at all with you? That's a great question. Yeah, sorry, we really haven't talked about that as much as I planned to. Um, originally I actually wanted a home birth, but, um, but we couldn't afford to have a private midwife. Mm -hmm. So that's why we ended up hiring Laura, because I thought if I'm not going to birth at home, I'll take somebody who's on board with me into the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. So Ben had an idea that I would have preferred to birth at home. And I had mentioned, even my doula said to me, well, you did mention that we we're going to find it hard to get you to the hospital. So mm-hmm. there was a time in one of our sessions I said to her, I think the hardest thing for me in this birth will be getting me to the hospital. Yeah. So I, th- I think he was aware. Uh, and, and also um, I, I do feel the hypnobirthing course really prepared him for um, knowing how birth happens, I think, and he even said this last night when we were discussing it. He said if I had if he hadn't have done that course, he would have been really freaked out. Mm-hmm. He, he was still nervous because of all the stories he'd been told. Um, but he was confident in trusting my intuition, which is a real yeah. gift, you know, because yes. I can't imagine having a partner be unsupportive of me in that moment and shoving me in the car. Yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah so we went in we were doing the hospital bag I had what I felt what I felt was my first real contraction and um and I said I think I have to go into the bedroom now and he's mm-hmm. gone <gasps> I think like he knew that at that point then that it was probably happening mm-hmm. so he started to get what I'd told him to get ready into the hospital bag and he came in to check on me sitting on the floor in, the, in between a contraction trying to download the Freya app <laughs> oh yeah that app is great I highly recommend the app yeah I, I had, recommend it to all the mums I work with yeah I, I had um a seven and a half hour birth playlist <laughs> put together on Spotify mm-hmm. um and I had a two and a half hour yoga like music playlist put together as well in case I preferred that kind of music. And yep. I didn't think that I would enjoy Freya, but when it came down to it, all I wanted was to be told to breathe Yeah, in my contractions. I didn't actually want the distraction of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, and I also needed to time my contractions cause they started to come in quite close together. I felt mm-hmm. they started to feel, um, like they were going for more for a minute or so. And they started to feel like they were coming in. Yeah. Quite close together. I just got thrown up on. Are you okay, darling? <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey. Are you all right? Um, so yeah, he came in and checked on me, and I was um, and I was trying to download this app to t- uh, to time my contractions. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, "Is there anything you want me to do?" And I said, "I think you need to organize for Ivy, which is our dog, to um, to go to where she was being taken care of, and um, and let Nora- Laura know that I'm in labor." I had time to message my mum and say that the plug had fallen out mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, to which she messaged back the plug question mark. I said, yes, the plug and contractions are quite consistent and that's the last she heard from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because as it turns out, my contractions were uh, approximately one to one minute to 90 seconds um, and about three minutes apart from the get-go. Mm. Right so, into it. And they were, all, they were always consistent. There was not a period where they really slowed down, if anything. They, they, um, they just became more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent about two hours, which it's so funny, time in labour, like, I thought that was no time. Like in my mind, that was half an hour. But when I looked at the Freya app, which is really cool, you can look back at your recordings Yeah. Um, of the contractions. When I looked back on it, I went, oh, okay, yep. So I was actually in the bedroom there for quite some time. So I think I was on the floor for about two hours. I had my yoga mat, thankfully, already set up. I was kneeling on my yoga mat with my arms over the exercise ball and really just breathing through each contraction. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to think of that part of my labor as like I was saying to a girlfriend, it's kind of like just doing sets, you know, like one minute on, three minutes Mm -hmm. off. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. So I would just, oh, and also we hired a TENS machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, when Ben came in and said, is there anything else you would like me to do? I said, get the TENS machine as well. So he, um, he got the TENS machine on me and I got into a really good rhythm of um, pressing, the bo- uh, pressing the contraction timer, which counts you through your breaths. Yeah, pressing. I really like that timer because you're not yeah. focusing actually on the timing of the contractions. Yeah. It's like if, you know, if Ben had come in, he could swipe and see the contractions, but it's mostly about having that having coach, breath. that breath coaching. Yeah. And Absolutely. then, the, yeah, and then like the relaxing kind of um, like uh, guided visualization between them. Yeah. So I can't nice. imagine focusing on time of the contractions while you're having like, that yeah. would feel like, you know, when you're on in, in, an, in a workout and you're like counting down the seconds until you're done with that set. Like yeah. it was, I just feel breath is such a beautiful way to move through it and um, just get, gets you into a really good rhythm yes. as well. Yes. So, um, so yeah, that's, I, I got into a really good rhythm of um, pressing the Freya app, um, pressing the booster button on my TENS machine and going into my contraction and then as soon as it was done, obviously stopping the Freya app, stopping the TENS and just really relaxing. Yeah. Um, and during that time then it was good because then Ben was able to run around and get all the things done that we needed to do, like get Ivy off to her um, place. So Because I always knew my dog would freak out while I was in labour and she was. She was really concerned about me so mm. I, I felt like she needed to go somewhere so that I could not worry about her. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I laboured for about two hours in there um, on my knees <laughs> and after that time I just said to Ben, I'm so buggered. Like I don't know why I thought I was going to be standing up dancing with you. Like yeah. I, need, I need to go to bed now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like those things that people say they'll do in labour, like – you know, like dancing or baking, you know, it's like, those are the things that you do in that like really early labor when you have kind of period pain. So like, if you want to do certain things in labor, do them earlier. Cause yeah, once it really hits, you're not doing anything other than breathing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something that I, I guess, cause I was in pre-labor, but I was pretending like I wasn't for so long. I didn't actually feel like I, yeah, I didn't feel like I was in labor, if that makes sense, until yeah. I got that first real surge. Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, I think that's really the best way to go about it is just to convince yourself that you're not in labor yeah. until you literally cannot deny it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think so too, because otherwise you could end up feeling disappointed too, if things yeah. slow down. You know? Yeah. Well, and then if you have it in your head, like, oh, I've already been in labor for you know, 12 hours, like yeah. if you've been having period cramps, then you're kind of getting mentally exhausted already. Whereas yeah. if you're like, you know, oh, it still hasn't started. Like it's, I'm warming up, but it's not starting. Then you're not kind of starting that mental clock, which I think a lot of the time can be what, um, what, yeah, what really starts playing with women's minds and bringing them out of their body is when they get kind of focused on the Absolutely. time. Well, because if we, if we really counted the numbers, like I went into, I started to get those mild, the, the period pains from Thursday night um, and I didn't go into labor. I didn't get my first real contraction 
until 2.30 on the Saturday. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so basically when Ben came in and, and said, how am I doing? I said, not so great. I'm feeling really <laughs> tired. I need to go into bed now. And um, he helped me into bed and I just laid in a fetal position hugging my pregnancy pillow mm-hmm. um, in between contractions. And then when the contraction would come, I would do like press the booster button. Ben had come to join me by that point and he would press the app and, and I would get on my hands and knees and just rock back and forward. Mm. In between, I just couldn't do anything. So I would just, after that contraction was done, I just would lie there. And, and by the time Laura came, I was basically napping in between contractions. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and that's the best. Like if you can be taking those micro naps, um, I think that in a lot of labors that I've seen go kind of really smoothly, that's what ends up happening. And it's just mm. that deep surrender and it would be yeah. hard to believe that you could fall asleep in that like three minute period oh no but yeah, you, can. you can like your the what your body does is incredible yeah. yeah yeah and I remember before so Laura got to us at 7 30 um at, so I was laboring from 2 30 to 7 30 um virtually sometimes by myself and sometimes Ben would come back in because he was still running around trying to organize everything Um, but I found that that rhythm worked really well for me, but I also found my mind started to say, you had plans to have more of an active labor. Like you look at you, you're just lying there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I remember saying to Ben at one point, I'm sorry, I just can't, I just can't do any more than this. And he said, that's fine. looks like it's fine to me. And it was beautiful when Laura came because she has that wisdom of birthing before and experience of, you know, being a doula as well. She said to me, what you're doing is perfect. Mm. You know, you yeah. are doing exactly what you need to be doing. And it just made me again go, all right, trust your intuition. Yeah, There's that mind that's always going to be questioning and that's that ego mind. And then there's our intuition that really does know what's best. Yes. Yeah. It's really funny the things that, that um, women's minds kind of cling to when they're birthing, mm. like the things that they think they should have done or yeah. like I apologized in my birth as well. And then like, um, yeah. And just the things that you think that are, go that are going not how you wanted them to or something and it's like it's often just like so ridiculous when you look at it from outside but the laboring mind is I feel like so different from our mind at any other point in our life I feel like it's a really good insight into your subconscious programming because for me (laughs) like my subconscious programming is this default of you're not doing enough Yes. You know, and that came up for me. You're not doing enough. And I'm like, I was doing perfectly. I I was, yeah, I was, I was doing it the way that my body needed to do it for the contractions it was having. You know, when I look back at my contractions, like I said, there were one minute to 90 seconds from the get go and throughout. 
and they were getting down to two minutes apart at that point. Like, of course, I needed to rest in between um, and surrender deeply. So, um, yeah, it's nice having that insight now because I, you know, if we do go down the path of this again, I'll definitely just be surrendering even more. It's exciting to see how, how you can shed layers of that subconscious by, um, by going through the birth experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so Laura arrived at seven 30, um, and that by that time it was nighttime. And the one thing that had going through my mind again, subconscious, because they say that any fears that you have about birth will come up during the labor or are likely to come up during the labor. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that was coming up for me at that point was, I don't want to go to hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, how am I going to get to hospital? I don't want to go to hospital. I can't leave. I can't leave. Mm-hmm. And apparently I had actually, I don't remember this, but apparently I had mentioned to Ben, I can't go to hospital. And um, he just thought at that point that I was kind of just saying it and that I'd probably get past it once Laura got there. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the whole time it was like in my head, like I can't go to hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Laura got to us at 7.30 and she basically said to Ben, you know, you better go down and get some food. Um because we could be in for a long night. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. And she sat with me and, and I will say um, her energy, I just, for anyone considering having a doula by your side, um, it's something that I didn't really ever fully consider how worthwhile she would be. But her energy, as soon as she stepped in, I just felt so held um, and even though my partner is an incredible or was an incredible birth partner, there is something about being held by a woman who has birthed before, but also a woman who has so much experience in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, yeah, I just, I just made me feel so held as soon as she got there. And, and I wasn't sure how I was going to go with words during my pregnancy, uh, during my birth, sorry. Mm -hmm. I said to my partner, please don't try to say too many things to me because I might find that you're distracting me. Mm -hmm. But I found what Laura had to say to always be really potent, Um, you know, just taking my hand and and telling me that I'm doing an incredible job and Mm -hmm. um, even just her little insight into saying you're doing exactly what you need to be doing always gave me that confidence. Um, throughout my labor so she got there at 7 30 and I still wasn't quite vocalizing but once Ben left to get food I started to vocalize during Mm -hmm. my contractions um so we knew that the contractions were ramping up a little bit more and by the time he got back Laura said look I think you should get the car prepared because um she's you know, she's starting to vocalise a little more and we should probably look to go to hospital soon. So Ben went and got the car ready and she came back in to say, um, Ben's getting the car ready and and I just said to her, I don't want to go to hospital. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, that's okay. Let's talk about, you know, why why you don't want to go. What's the reasons? And I just said... 
I just feel so good here because <laughs> my bedroom was so comfortable. We just had the salt lamp on. We had my diffuser on um, and, you know, the Freya app going. I just felt so comfortable. I could not imagine having to get in the car for half an hour to get to the hospital and then going through fluorescent lighting and because in our house yeah. we don't actually use a lot of the lighting we we have a salt lamp on full time and our parents always laugh at us because they say we live in this like dark cave but <laughs> <laughs> you know so I, lights like that are very jarring to our my nervous system especially during during the during labor yeah and um so she she said to me that's okay I understand um you just like we'll stay here for a little bit longer but we'll look to go soon I, I can't really remember but she was basically trying to calm me and also prepare me to go still mm-hmm. she went out to talk to Ben and um and said look she's saying that she doesn't want to go but still get the car ready just in case we can convince her mm-hmm. um and he said oh yeah she said that to me too I was hoping that she was just you know having a moment (laughs) and um and Laura said look just so you know I'm not medically qualified because doulas although they are so well educated on birth if something does happen that needs medical intervention um they aren't able to to act in the same way that a midwife is and he said no I, I do understand that and so she said if we do decide to birth at home we may need we may look into calling an ambulance and again we'd just have to ask Sarah that she felt comfortable with that. So um so she came back in to check on me to see if she could get me to the hospital. Mm-hmm. At that moment I had a massive contraction. I finally got off of my hands and I was just on my knees, roaring and my waters broke all over our bed. I had as she went out to talk to Ben I went I'm not going to hospital like this is happening (laughs) how are you going to get me into a car so I had this massive contraction and my waters broke I think I was going into transition Uh, yeah you were coming I'm just talking to Bodhi because he's still hanging around hey buddy yeah um so she went out to talk to Ben and I went to go to the toilet and um, I knew, like, I'm in transition. I don't want to be getting in a car right now. I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. So Ben's, so they've had the conversation about, okay, well, she, she really doesn't want to go. Her waters have just broken. It's probably not an ideal time to leave. Laura just said, how do you feel about this? And, and Ben he was nervous, but he just said to her, I just feel like I have to honor what she's saying. Um, and oh, he know- what a beautiful partner. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful for him, honestly, because like I said, I can't imagine having a partner that was so scared that he had to shove me in a car to get yeah. to the hospital for his sanity. You yeah. Know? Um, also, I should say, when we were when I was pregnant I took him to see birth time Mm -hmm. the documentary and that was one comment that he took away from that documentary was like 
there was a partner in there that um, basically she ended up getting a cesarean because he couldn't handle how she yeah, was processing I remember it. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for him that maybe played on him a little bit and he went, no, I feel like I need to honour her intuition and how she feels. So he, he did still come in one more time as I was on the toilet and he said, you know, if we go to hospital, they will take good care of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked at him and, and I said, I'm not going. And, and, that, and that was it. Um, he said, okay, well, we're doing this. And as, as he said that I got off the toilet, as I said that I got off the toilet and, um, I had another massive contraction. So I ripped the TENS machine off and the TENS machine is a really great way to manage those sensations in a, from a distraction technique. But at that point I feel like it had done its job. So They put lots of towels down so I could kneel comfortably on my knees if I needed to. And um, when I got in the shower, I just felt that that water really helped um, soothe me in a different way than the TENS had been. Mm -hmm. Um, And my contractions actually slowed down a little bit, but it was a nice reprieve. Um, And I guess because I'd hit, felt like transition was such a peak point um after that it was kind of enjoyable if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. um yeah the the sensation of um your body starting to push was just it was different it was a different intensity Mm -hmm. in the shower um so I was in the shower for I think about 20 minutes or so and Laura could see that I was starting to really bear down and she said, why don't you check to see where your baby's head is? And so I did. I put um, my hands inside of myself and I could feel the crown of his head coming through my cervix, mm. but I had a cervical lip still. Um, mm-hmm. And I, in all the birth stories I'd listened to, I was really fortunate to know that I had a cervical lip. And I just said to Laura, I think I have a cervical lip. And she was great. She just said cervical lips are so common um, and that it's fine. It's completely normal and to just work with my body. Yeah. And she yeah, was it just re- means that it hasn't quite finished dilating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she was really good to watch me too because she was trying to determine whether or not I was pushing or my body was pushing, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. she did pull me up a few times and say, Sarah, are you, are you pushing? pushing remember Mm. that remember that it's like a flower that's looking to open you don't want to peel back the petals before they're ready to oh that's a beautiful visual she said that Mm. to you yeah oh she's and like I said her words were so potent for me throughout labor that I you know labor is a bit fuzzy for me the memory of labor is a bit fuzzy but the words that she said to me at key moments still stick with Mm. ones for me that I remember that. And um, she just took my hand after one of the contractions in the shower and she just said, I know it's intense, but it's meant to be intense. They say that women travel to the stars to collect their babies during birth and your baby is about to come. Like this is helping you. 
this is helping your baby to come. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me just made me go deeper. Like I just thought, yeah, it's meant to be intense. But I'd done a lot of intense trainings in my life. Like I'd run a half marathon. I knew what it meant to dig deeper in those moments where you don't think that you can go on. So just having her by me saying that just made me go, yep, you're right, mm. this is intense, but he's about to come. Um, and so I, I had, I was managing the cervical lip for about an hour, I think. Um, it's really hard to tell. It felt like 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, it came through my cervix. And the oh, hold on. Sorry, of- you just broke up for <laughs> oh. a second. His head came through the cervix. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. So then it, it like drop. Yeah, I felt it drop from my cervix because mm. I actually had my hand. Sounds a little strange maybe for some, but I had my hand inside of me after I found the cervical lift. I was just feeling his head. Yeah. I guess it was my way of connecting with him in a way. That's so in, in a lot of, I hear that so often in births that are really kind of untampered with and not yeah. like in hospital and not have, you know, bright lights and heaps of people observing them. Women so often do intuitively do that and connect with their baby in that way. And I think that's so natural and beautiful because then you're aware of how they're moving down as they come yeah. through you know, you can yeah. guide them a little bit and, and that helps with tear, like not tearing as much yeah. because you can actually feel what's happening. Um, yeah, I think that that's... Basically as well, like because I had decided not to go to hospital, there was a moment where I kind of thought, uh-oh, I have a cervical lip. But by mm. holding, like by being in contact with his head, that felt like I knew he was okay. Mm. Again, that's about owning my intuition to to stay and to because Laura had asked me if I wanted to call an ambulance um, as I got into the shower, but I I said I didn't want to I have to take me to hospital regardless of whether or not everything was okay. I knew that that was their policy, um, yeah. and I didn't want to go to hospital. <laughs> yeah, and the energy of that is an emergency, and yeah, like. It wasn't an emergency at all. It sounds like it was a beautiful physiological event. Exactly. And I felt like everything was okay. So um, I felt his head transition from my cervix down. um, And at that point, the sac fully released because there was still a bit of the sac over his head. Um, Mm -hmm. And the next bit was was a bit of a blur. I basically felt him crown. And then I believe it was the next... it came through and then his whole body came. It's a really mm. fast experience that last bit um, because I was expecting it to be this really slow in and out kind of controlled um, push, I guess, um, yeah. so that it could help to stretch my per- perineum. Yeah. But um yeah, no, he – I think that was my body's way of maybe managing if he was a little bit distressed from being in that cervical lip for an hour. Mm. Um, I did feel like it was like – you would have heard of the – was it the, the evacuation reflex? The fetal ejection reflex. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I feel that because he just shot right out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, he shot right out. And was crying 
as soon as he came into the world. So we knew he had a good set of lungs on him. Um, I was so lucky Laura was there to catch him because I was, I, I was expecting then to have a little bit of time for his shoulders to rotate in my pelvis and make their way through. But I mm-hmm. think also because his head was the same size of, as his shoulders, he, that's how he was able to come out all in one go. He wasn't a huge baby. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Laura caught him and I um, and, and gave him to me and um, then we turned the shower off and we made our way out onto my couch. And it was funny because prior to birth I said to my partner, I hate this couch. <laughs> it's so old. <laughs> like we need a new couch. Um, and yeah anyway I made my way out to the couch and he didn't get a chance to put garbage bags on all of the areas of the couch properly and I basically ruined our couch (laughs) (laughs) by sitting on it (laughs) um so you got what you wanted (laughs) yeah so I so we've got a new couch on the way um as I sat on the couch I felt quite heavy down Mm -hmm. and I was a little bit concerned about prolapse um or what had happened. So I got um, I got my partners to get an ice pack for me to sit on because I felt really uncomfortable. And we sat there for about 20 minutes trying to get Bodhi to latch, but we were both really uncomfortable. And then we noticed that he had quite a short cord. Um, but I also just felt like my placenta needed to come. Mm-hmm. So I stood up and as I stood up, my placenta just came out. <laughs> Yeah. Onto the couch. <laughs> um, so I think maybe just the nature of how he was born, my placenta may have come down with him. Mm. So I didn't need that contraction for it to come out. Mm-hmm. Okay, it just um, detached yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so Laura placed then the placenta into a bucket, which we did have on hand from the get-go, and um, then we just left him attached to the placenta for the next two hours well, we were just skin to skin and and learning how to latch, which was a really special time um, that, yeah, I think will be etched in my memory forever. We had the fire going and um, the birth song going. That was something that I actually also didn't mention, that there was a point where the Freya app, I just didn't, I didn't want to listen to the Freya app anymore. Mm. Um, I think it was just before I got into the shower. And all I could say to Ben was put – LA one Moby on. <laughs> it's this song by Moby. Moby did a sleep album and it's a song that I meditate to sometimes. It just goes for 20 minutes, but you can put it on repeat and you don't really notice that there's a start or an end to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that was going then from the moment we stopped the Freya app until Virtually the next day, we just kept the song going. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. So it was, and now it's the song I used to put Bodhi to sleep, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So we had that song going, skin to skin, learning how to breastfeed, still dim lighting, the fire going. Um, And yeah, once I passed my placenta, I was no longer uncomfortable. So really confident that I wasn't bleeding out. There was nothing that I, that I needed to be tended to. And because Bodhi was latching really well, we weren't concerned of his health. We felt 
that we were both in good health and we didn't need to call an ambulance and we didn't need to go to the hospital. Mm. Beautiful. Really beautiful gift for us both to spend those first few moments of life in a peaceful environment. Um, Yes. No poking and prodding and measuring and weighing. and Yeah. 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 And then um, people often ask this, but how'd you cut the cord? (laughs) Um, It's not that hard. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the funny thing was is that I actually had always wanted to burn the cord once I'd found out that in traditional Chinese medicine, that's a practice that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really upset that, you know, obviously for obvious reasons in the hospital, they don't let you burn the cord. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Laura was talking about like, what should we, what should we do with the cord? I said, I'd love to burn it, but I didn't have any like long candles prepared. Cause obviously I thought I was going to hospital. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we ended up using one of those long barbecue lighters. <laughs> so Australian (laughs) and um Laura and I both clamped in the appropriate places we left it quite long obviously so we didn't get the flame near him um so it would have been maybe six centimeters we left on it Mm -hmm. um and we burnt it and then um tied tied it off um and I had a midwife come and check me on day, it was a Tuesday, so it was day three at that point. It was really hard to get a midwife out. So had you called like the hospital and let them know that you'd birthed at home and how did that go and how was that received? So I tried to call the hospital and they wouldn't um, answer their phone. I was due to birth at the Gold Coast Hospital, Gold Coast University Hospital and um their phones, I don't think they have anyone manning their phones. So it generally just goes to a message bank. Yeah. That's so, so strange. Yeah. So I left a message to say that I'd burst at home um, and for somebody to give me a call back, which I never got a call back. Um, and then I called my GP um, to ask her what the procedure was. And she had no idea, but she was really supportive And she ended up getting a hold of somebody at the hospital and they said to her that they wouldn't send somebody out because I didn't birth at hospital. Um, It was not within their jurisdiction. That's so weird. (laughs) I know. So they didn't want to be liable for anything that was to happen if they sent somebody to me. Um, So she was pretty um, shocked and upset at that. and but she your ended GP up, was yeah 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 um but she ended up finding a beautiful midwife Tracy from I think coastal midwives mm. um yeah and she ended up coming to me um which was awesome because we ended up being in a lockdown at that period too so um like the thought of me having to travel with my newborn to hospital at that point and wear masks and you know it just felt wrong like given that we'd had such a beautiful birth experience at home yeah um I really wanted to try my best not to have to go anywhere yep so yeah so Tracy came and um and visited us on the Tuesday and checked him out and checked me out and he was very healthy he's just giving me the biggest smiles right now yeah and um private midwives are able to was she able to bulk bill that postnatal visit? 
she was able to bulk bill a portion of it. Um, yeah. She, because the first visit's quite long, um, it was $160, but I got back $60, okay. which in the scheme of things, $100 to have a private midwife come out and tend to us, I, you know, to be at home in the comfort of my home home and not yeah. have to go to hospital was priceless. Yeah. Um, but she came to me every week then for six weeks and she was able to bulk bill all of those appointments. Yes, amazing. Yeah. So that was really good. Yeah. Um, I will mention I did tear, I think, just the nature of how quickly he came out in the end. Mm-hmm. I did tear what she, she said that she would call it a, a second degree tear, um, but when she got to me, she said the way that it was healing, she was really confident that I didn't need stitches mm-hmm. um, and that if I was comfortable to leave it heal, then um, she wouldn't do anything with it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I trusted her opinion. She's quite an experienced midwife. And, um, yeah, I ended up healing really well. And even my GP was um, – really impressed when I went and got checked out at my six-week appointment. She said, I, I've seen women with stitches take longer to heal than this. So, yeah. Well, yeah. it's so much what I've, um, when I've had clients who have torn and they've been kind of tossing ah. up to get um, stitches or not and their midwives are talking to them about it, it's more about like they're like, well, if you don't get them, then you have to be really – sedentary and you have to you know like you can't be up and doing things and you have to take care of yourself and let it heal and it's like yeah well you know there's a lot of women who don't really observe that time as kind of sacredly and take that you know like keep their legs together literally so they're not pulling the the tear apart and and allow it to heal but you had already kind of prepared for that postpartum time to yeah to be really sacred right yeah and sedentary um, I will say that I um, had the heads up on making sure that I had a uh, like a pump style bottle to squirt on me every time I went to the toilet. Yeah, a peri um, bottle. A peri bottle, and my mum would she boiled she would boil up a big pot of um, salt water. Yep. And put into bottles in the bathroom. So every time I would go to the toilet, I was squirting like sterile saline solution onto it. Yeah. Um, and also I had a spray mixed up of witch hazel, um, frankincense, lavender and filtered water to yeah. spray on my pad um, after every after every trip to the toilet. So I kept it really clean and I spent a lot of time in bed in yep. those first um, first four weeks in particular because my mum flew in the next morning. So it was funny. I, I was messaging her at 4 a.m. and I said to her, uh, you know, Bodie Robert Tane Walters was born at 11.27 p.m. Um, we're all doing really well. Photos to come soon. Mm-hmm. And she just messaged back straight away saying, did you make it to oh. hospital? How did she? So she just had a feeling. She mother's intuition, I guess. Like she, I guess she knows she knows me better than I know myself. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she just kind of guessed that I didn't make it to hospital because I messaged her about the mucus plug falling away, and then she didn't hear anything else. So I think kind of felt like it must have happened quite quickly. And she yeah. um, she'd already booked her flights. 
to come. So she actually ended up arriving at 10 a.m. that morning. So virtually not even 12 hours after he'd been born, which was perfect because um, the borders ended up shutting only a day later. Yeah. Oh, wow. How lucky that she made it. I mean, lucky but also aligned. (laughs) Yeah. So was really integral to my postpartum healing um Mm. she really just took care of me she did all the shopping all the cooking all the cleaning she would take Bodhi if he was like not settling well at night even um he had a lot of tummy troubles in the first weeks Mm. which I think a lot of babies do and so once we knew he was well fed she would end up like having him lie on her chest and let me get at least a few hours worth of sleep. So, oh, that's yeah, wonderful. I was really, really well held in those first weeks. And I still am, but just those first four weeks, that would be my biggest recommendation to mums. Like if you can have that support, call in your village. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so important. <laughs> I'm so glad you had that. Yeah, we were so lucky. Like I, I, I would say to mum every day, like my experience as a new mum would be incredibly different if she wasn't there because, yeah. yes, it can. it is still 100% uh, a really intense time. It's a really beautiful time but it's still really intense with what you have to be going through physically. Not only is your body healing, but you're connecting with your baby for the first time. You're learning how to be a mum for the first time. So, yeah. yeah well, and having... your brain is completely rewiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say um, I do believe because of the birth experience that I had, I was just on a high for two weeks. <laughs> I just like... I bet. <laughs> I, I was... <laughs> It's the best high I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you would have yeah. just been on top of the world, like felt like you could do anything. Yeah, yeah, and I never got mm. – so I never got those five days, five-day blues when my milk came in. I just felt really incredible. I also got um, encapsulated um, with Yogi Tree. I believe her name's Lauren from Yogi Tree, and she was just – a be- she was so beautiful. She picked up my placenta the next day. She dropped it off to me the day after along with some nipple balm and some broth and a, a tonic that I would put in my tea. And um, I do believe all of those things that she um, brought to me along with my mum's care really helped to put, along with my birth, really helped to put me in the best possible place to deal with, mm. you know, the the new life that I was bleeding at that point yeah yeah amazing yeah amazing and how did your partner transition into fatherhood how did he find that yeah he's been incredible and I knew he would be because he just he absolutely adores kids and he just has always been a really good support to me um I think the one thing that has been challenging is that he just wants to help as much as he can but sometimes you know Bodhi just wants me So I think what he's been really good at, though, is just recognising where he can help. And if he can't hold Bodhi, then he's doing the dishes or he's um, preparing me food or checking in on me and seeing if I need water or anything, you know. He's always really good at 
being onto that. Um, he, he always has his phone in his pocket. So if I need him, I just text him and, and he comes to me yeah. for whatever I need. He also Great. does um, the, night, the, the nappy changes when he's home. Especially yeah. in those early days, like in the middle of the night, he would always get up to Bodhi first. He would change his nappy and then that would give me time to prepare myself to feed. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I would do the feed and the settling and everything. But, yeah, having that support was just from so many different angles was so amazing and yeah. he's so amazing. Yeah, how wonderful. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. That's amazing. What a beautiful story. What a Thanks beautiful, for letting beautiful me story. share. Yeah, of course. Is there anything um, that you feel like we haven't touched on that you really wanted to include? Um, I, think, I think we've covered it all. It's so hard, you know. There's so many different angles you feel like you want to come out with. Well, I felt like I wanted to come out with my birth story. But I think one thing that really came through for me was how um how to own your intuition you know not just pandering to what other people think or what other do as a woman I think birth is the most empowering or can be the most empowering moment of your life if you prepare yourself well if you educate yourself well and then really just learn to hone in on that intuition Mm. and honor it yeah I was wondering if you, like, if you chose to have another baby in the future, would you mm. plan to free birth at home? I would definitely plan to have a home birth. Um, I feel I really, I really loved Tracy, my midwife who came to me. Um, she does a lot of home births. So I mm-hmm. feel like I would be really happy to have her on board along with my doula. Yeah. Um, just for peace of mind and also I, I believe that the midwives will set up the I would love a, a water birth if it's possible like I know mm-hmm. I had a shower birth but I would love to be in a bath of yeah. some kind so I know if you hire a private midwife they quite often bring the bath too mm. <laughs> yeah but yeah, um, some of them do a lot yeah. of the time though you still have to find your own and set it up oh really yeah I yeah. mean I wouldn't be hiring a midwife for the bath but, yes yeah. <laughs> you know um yeah, it's a funny thing. The free birth, um, I absolutely loved the free birth experience because I didn't feel at any point that I needed to be checked, like as in my dilation needed to be checked. I didn't feel like my baby's heart rate needed to be monitored. I guess it was just for immediately after. It would have mm-hmm. been nice to have somebody just check me out, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and maybe do a, a little bit. Well, I didn't. I didn't really feel like he needed needed that much, but it was maybe more for myself. Maybe because of the nature of him coming out so quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of the someone who knows what they're looking at. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I I think think that's kind. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful as well. That you, I think sometimes with free birth, people get a little bit caught up in like the concept of it. Yeah, you know, and I think that it's. it's really beautiful to just have like an awareness of, of what you want out of your birth experience and have yeah. kind of the flexibility to find whatever support you need for that. Absolutely. And I, I guess it's just choosing your people. Yeah. It's choosing your support people wisely and knowing that at the end of the day, um, 
that they are going to honor your intuition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really loved Anna McGaskin's spiritual midwifery book for that is that, you know, they, the belief of the midwives was that they are there to really just assist and honor the woman's primal nature and intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they're only really there to guide and um, support that woman through that time and owning her intuition. Um, yeah. And, you know, there because there are, there are crises of confidence and there are so many things that I appreciate can happen in birth. But um, I believe a good midwife is there to support you in that way, not, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's just important to have that awareness so that when you are having like a licensed midwife that they they do have you know things that they're required to do and they can't necessarily like they they put themselves at risk if they trust the woman's intuition above all else you know like yeah the really good ones walk that that um, line they walk that line yeah um but yeah it is they do still have kind of a an allegiance to, to a um to the legality yeah, yeah that's outside of yeah. the room you know yeah I absolutely understand yeah. and I guess again that just comes down to you as a woman finding your support network and if you yeah. can find a, a midwife that you feel um aligns with you in that way then then to um then to yeah. have her on board but if not then I mean, I don't see why a free birth, like a free birth worked for us in the end. Um, Mm. And it was a really incredibly uh, powerful moment in my life um, that I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It sounds amazing. And Mm. yeah, I think it's just so important for people when they're making plans for their birth and choosing their birth to just have an understanding of, you know, like everything that they're getting with any option that they choose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, make those decisions that are right for them and that it's going to look different for every woman, I think. Absolutely. Again, just comes back to educating yourself. Mm, yeah. You know. Yeah. Educating and preparing. Yeah. Well, that's so powerful. I just realized I haven't asked you um the question that I ask oh, yeah. everyone who comes on the show, so maybe we'll yeah. finish with that and that is what does it mean to you to be a wild woman and a wild mother? Um, I feel my birth really set the scene for this one, but it's just going back to really owning your intuition. I think that's one of the most powerful things that us females and in turn mothers are gifted with is this really potent, powerful intuition and um, to really let that lead you into wherever it is going um, for birth or for mothering because you'll be given so many different opinions on how it should be or how you should do something. But um, I really do believe that ultimately when it comes down to things, you know best um, what needs to happen. So, yeah, I think it's about really strengthening that connection with your intuition and learning to really honour it even if it means not going to hospital when you plan to. <laughs> mm. You know, I really love, like, almost every person I've asked that question to has had intuition as a part of their answer. And I think mm. that that is so key, that that is, like, how we rewild almost and how we 
are the best mothers because there's so much in our society that's trying to disconnect us from that and tell us that we need things outside of ourselves in order to be competent or um yeah and the connecting back in with that and realizing that like nearly everything that you need and that your child needs is within you Um, absolutely yeah so powerful so powerful well um I think we've come to the end of our chat but it's been so lovely talking with you thank you so much for taking all of this time oh thank you for having me and for those who have listened to the whole thing thank you for listening I talk a lot yeah (laughs) yeah um I will I'll put some links to um like your social media accounts and stuff in the um episode show notes if um yeah if you're happy for me to do that but if you can share where people can connect with you if they would like to yeah, um, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Ms. Uh, SJ Cooper. So it's Ms. SJ Cooper on Instagram. And you'll mm-hmm. see a lot of my yoga um, teaching stuff. And I like to write some nice words from time to time, even though I haven't written all that much since being a mom. But they're coming. They're coming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. the seeds have been planted. Yeah, yeah, they're mm. they're in there. It's just about finding the time to to get them out into the world again. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Well, mm. thank you so much, Sarah, and I hope to connect with you again in person at some yeah. point. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mimi. I really appreciate having the opportunity to tell my story. Yeah, thanks um, so much, Mimi, and I hope to see you in person on the other side of this border kerfuffle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. Take care and all the best with um your own little journey. Yeah, yeah. thank you so yeah. much. No worries. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.